You're on. You are on. And now we're all on. Okay. We've hit the magic recordometer. Cool. Let's have a podcast. <laughs> all right. Uh, welcome, folks. Uh, we're just about done with season 11 of Mention and Dispatches. And so here we go on episode 12. Our guest today, uh, Mr. Rich from Wargame Design Studio, is joining us. Mr. Rich, how are you today? I'm doing well, Brant. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Cool. Appreciate you being here. And uh, and if we've got the Wargame Design Studio guys here to talk about some stuff, of course, we had to drag our boy Cyrano back into the show. Jim, how's it going? Good afternoon. I'm sorry. I was just dragging my uh, War and Peace level of thickness bundle of questions out from my closet. So, <laughs> um, so, so for those that, that don't know, Jim has been a play tester over the years for different things that the Wargame Design Studio guys have worked on and, and has a, a deep and well, uh, well chronicled love of many of their games. Um, uh, although, you know, it has poked fun at the user interface on occasion as well. Um, for those that don't necessarily know the name Wargame Design Studio, uh, this is a bit of an evolution because WDS has taken over uh, what used to be John Tiller Software after after John passed away uh, a year and change. I, has it been two years yet? It's probably been over two years at this point, hasn't it? It's actually it? been two and a half years. Two and a half years. Wow. Um, so yeah, we, we sadly lost John and and then the Wargame Design Studio guys have taken over uh, John's business and and I'm I don't want to accidentally misrepresent something. Rich, bail me out here. What, how, how's all this piece together? You guys just simply bought all the IP or, or what all happened there that you're allowed to share? Yeah, we, we purchased, uh, David and I purchased the intellectual property rights. So all the source code, all the existing programs, all the games that have been published, uh, the, the website, so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, we have complete control over his catalog that he was publishing as a solo. Um, now, that does not include the old Talonsoft Battleground games uh, or the handful of campaign series games that are owned by Matrix. Uh, so everything else, though, that was published through HPS simulations, then in John Tiller Software starting in 2010, um, and then we've carried forward with that. Okay. And so now it's a common, it, I, obviously there's still some of the, the Tiller SAR engines that you guys are building off of. Um, have, have you started any development on completely new or separate engines that don't have a, a grounding in what John had, had originally done with, with JTS? We do have something uh, running. Actually, John did start it, um, but his goal with the the, the new engine uh, was to be multi-platform support. Um, and you know, we're not really excited about um, tablets and phones and whatnot. Um, <laughs> you know, your price point. You know, people want to spend you know two dollars for an app. Um, so that's that's not an area that we're leaning towards. And really with, uh, actually, like you and I exchanged an email about here earlier, um, for the Mac OS, um, there's a variety yeah. of emulation packages out there. Um, and, and there's not a huge segment of our customer base that are, that are native Mac OS users. So, uh, so anyways, we, we have completely rebuilt that from the ground up. So um, that is an operational level uh, game. Um, I'm not going to drop too much about that because we still have a lot, <laughs> lot of work to do. Um, so we're, you know, we're no less than 12 months out before anything's uh, seen with that. Uh, but assuming it comes together well, uh, we, we plan to have a, quite a little, a, quite a lot of content with that new engine. Yeah, don't don't give away any trade secrets here, but uh, yeah, yes, me and my yeah. darn Macs that, that tend to foil my digital gaming desires. So, Jim, go ahead, make fun of me. Yeah, okay. well, you can work around that. But Buy I, I would just like to say, um, yeah, it's it's not, you know, I don't like vaporware. Um, I don't like it when companies talk a lot about, hey, we're doing this and we're doing that and you're going to see it soon and soon becomes a year, soon becomes three years and then and then you just never see it. Um, I think that just frustrates people. So so we, we tend to hold things pretty close to the chest. I will probably drop a few little tidbits here and there for you today, but um, 
again, you know, we want to we want to start talking about something when it's pretty close to the point where people are going to be able to take it for a spin themselves. I'm going to drop names and I'm going to make fun of somebody as of right now to as we are recording this over Thanksgiving weekend on Hex Wars website under featured games, Atlanta, 1864 coming soon, November 2022. That is <laughs> followed closely by Desert War World War II coming soon December 2022. Um so yeah, yeah, your your vaporware comparison is apt in this case. Um come yeah. on guys, it's it at least update the website and quit lying to us about it. it's coming soon a year ago. So <laughs> Exactly. But Jim, you were you were making fun of me in there for, for Mac stuff. Oh, yeah. I was just going to tell you to buy a gaming computer. I don't need to. I've got my son's gaming computers. I really yeah, well, okay. Well, then don't cry when games won't play on the Mac because nobody plays games on the Mac. You know that. <laughs> I, I don't cry. I, I got my table up here in the office. I put games on the table and play. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> just, that, those things all by themselves are fascinating. And I, man, I, like I said, it's my, my volume of questions runs roughly to a million pages, roughly the length of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, borrowing, I think that's a line from uh, Rosencrantz and Gilderstern are dead. Um, but the uh, let, let me start here. So did I hear you say that Dr. Tiller's foray into the platforms like uh, the tablets and the phones, that's done? Question mark? <laughs> With emphasis, done. done? Um, Is that done? So they have aged out. They, they have aged out of most of the stores. Um, due yeah. to constant updates by the OSs. And uh, so we don't have the programming resources to keep up with that at this time. Um, mm-hmm. Additionally, like we've done with the full title uh, treatments, uh, we generally are trying to get graphics updated and, and make other enhancements. Uh, so we just really don't have the resources to allocate to that at this point. Um, I'm not going to say that you'll never see a mobile app again, um, but uh, you know, as of this time, it's not something we are actively working on. I'm going to follow that right up with the other thing you sort of suggested. You didn't say it, but it is implied. Uh, no, actually, Brant said it because he said the words hex war. Do you have any interest in being in the Steam space? Well, Interest, yes. Uh, cautiously interested. Um, you know, our games are our games are very deep. We have a tremendous amount of content that goes into them. Tremendous amount of OOB research and references, and you know, scenarios. You know, generally speaking, all of our games have 40, 50, 60, 200, whatever. They're just very rich in content. Um, And the Steam space is known for their, you know, 75% off sale. You know, you can get this game for eight bucks. Um, And that, that in and of itself does not excite us. Um, because just imagine how many we'd have to sell to, you know. With that said, we are exploring it. Um, if all goes well, we will see at least one title make a, a showing in 2024 to kind of test the waters and see how it's received. Uh, we might be pleasantly surprised and, and it, it really takes off, um, you know. It, it just remains to be seen, but it is something we are exploring. Yes. Uh, I, I, and I'll, you know, let me lay out my hands here. You know, this rich, and I know, you know, this Brett, you referred to it just so that everybody understands. I've been with this series playing it as a player. I want to be clear since, well, since our dad, right. And while those games have evolved and changed, I think I have all of them. I I'd have to check again. I think I have all of them. So I'm an immense fan. When I say this to you, are you concerned that if you walk into the Steam space, you wind up with 100 reviews that say, God, the graphics on this suck? Well, and that very that's a very realistic uh, concern because, it, it, you know, 30 years war, which I think is, you know, probably better looking a better looking game than any game that's been published, uh, you know from from this studio and at all through john or through us or any of it i think the graphics are great um but the graphics that a a hex and chit wargamer expects and and will work with is radically different than a you know a real-time strategy gamer or you know first person shooter you know the the expectations are differently but the products are radically different right Mm-hmm. So, so, all right, you know, graphics are very subjective. Oh, yes. So, you know, per- personally, I think both from a 2D and a 3D perspective, 30 Years War is a beautiful game. 
um, you know, it allows us to, to, to cover the topic and it, and it looks good. Um, now, would the masses say that on Steam? I don't know. All right, I'll take your segue and say, yes, we are excited. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because you've released a new game, The 30 Years War. And we're not going to dive too deeply into it, but I do want to ask three questions about it, all related to the more general issue of WDS. Number one, okay. uh, n- number one on the graphics issue, how many people do you have doing graphics 2D, 3D? And I, I get to ask a follow-up on that one. <laughs> right, so... We've got some new people working with us. Um, there were one, two. So there was a, a one artist that did the units images. So that's what you see in the in the hex info area at the bottom. So if you click a hex and then the large pictures at the bottom. So one artist did that. We had another artist that did the 3D figures um, in all their various poses. Um, and then we have another uh, artist who's also the graphics coordinator that pulls the 2D together. And uh, so he's done various elements from from there's probably two or three other graphics people that have contributed to those features and then he'll do a lot of the 2d icons and things of that sort so you know three people worked on this and all three of them frank's been around a while he's done a lot of the civil war battles uh enhancements that have taken place since 2016 um but manuel with the units images and then nick ferry uh you know manuel this is his first game with us so those those unit cards are brand new for him. Uh, Nick's been with us working with WDS. He never worked with us as John Tiller Software. So all all pretty much new. So we're in the process of changing the team over. Related question follow-up. Your hex info area and your 2D counters are the best you've ever done. And I'm someone who has seen them all, I think, again. Uh, they're 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 shockingly good. I was just so I'm I'm if delighted. Not all at least enough to have an informed opinion. Yeah, I, I yeah. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for saving me from all. All is a a thing we have to do very cautiously, uh, especially with the catalog. How uh, yeah, many there's games 110 have... titles. Though. Is that right? Okay, I don't have that many. Okay, I've got a lot. I do. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, sure I don't know that you ever dove into Kriegsmarine, right? Yeah, I did. I've got. Did Kriegsmarine. you? Sitting right here. Okay. Yeah, I'm just. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna have to go in and find out what I'm missing. I think that. I think I just accepted a challenge. But um, I, I I have to ask, what drives you to keep trying with 3D? I will never. I will say this. I, as you know, we've done live streams on my channel of the games. We've shown them live. We've shown them to people, and people do call out and say, "Hey, show us the 3D." I will never play that way. My head doesn't work that way. I love your 2D graphics. I'm a hex encounter. What drives you to try to make the 3D better, which I have sort of taken over the many years as a chimerical task, something you're never going to set because the 3D gamers are never going to be happy with you. <laughs> uh, you're right. You're right. Um, disclaimer, I too am a 2D gamer. I mean, I I love the amount of information that I can see on the map in 2D view. Um, you know, I, I just, that's the way my brain works. I, I want all those inputs at once. Uh, so it's its extremely rare for me personally to drop down into 3D. However, there's a sizable number of our customers that repeatedly ask for 3D, especially when you're in the pre-20th century uh, space. Uh, not as much of an issue for the World War II guys and the modern guys, um, but the you know, Napoleonics, you know, Musket and Pike, Civil War battles. Yeah, there, there is a significant number of people that want 3D. And Ooh. so you see what we continue to do. So, you know, our John, we, we published Seven Years War without 3D. And yes, you did. And, and when you... And when I play tested Howling. that, I play tested <laughs> right. that game. And when I play tested that game, I went down, discovered there was no 3D, and I thought somebody over there had seen the light, and it finally decided yeah. to dedicate well, resources another way. I guess I was. Uh, I guess I, I. I find myself unshockingly in a minority. <laughs> yeah. So, so new territory. And, and really, you, uh, I will. Yeah. What's that? That's this new territory for Jim being in the minority about something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, as of this discussion, we will not publish a pre-20th century game without 3D support. Wow. Um, the, the, the feedback that we receive from the customer base is strong enough to continue to, to make that a thing. And, and, and even amongst 2D players, there's, there's people that, that will go between 2D and 3D. 
Um, so, you know, and it's an easy scroll of the way, the, uh, the mouse wheel to move between them. So, so anyways, yes, there now, you know, we, we have people asking for it on, in the world war two games too, you know, panzer campaigns and, uh, panzer battles, you know, they're, they're looking for 3d there as well. So I don't know where we'll move on that. Um, but I can speak for the pre 20th century side is, is we're sticking with, with 3d implementations too. So it is said. All right, question number two. What are your three biggest selling eras? Well, World War II, hands down. Um, hands down. Okay. And is that, are, when, you look at, when you look at that, when you say World War II, are you combining PCC with PZB and squad battles? Yeah, that, that is a all-in discussion there. Oh. You know, that's, okay. I'm lumping everything there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Panzer Campaigns is probably the the highest selling, but it's got the most number of titles in the series. Um, and, you know, it's it's also been around quite a while. If you remember back to the day when, um, and I don't want to share too much, but there was a transition period when John left Talonsoft, um, who was acquired sure. by Take-Two, and, mm-hmm. and he was beginning to publish with HPS. Uh, um, there, there was a lag to where, you know, campaign 1776 came out and then you had a couple different Panzer campaigns titles, but you didn't have any Napoleonics or Civil War, um, which was very noticeable because that's primarily what he was pu- uh, publishing with Talonsoft, uh, you know, outside of the campaign series. So, so anyways, there was some lag on that front end. Um, but yeah, so World War II, which if I need to quantify that further, uh, not on a title per title basis, but on a series basis, then Panzer campaigns would be the top. Um, mm-hmm. But then you have American Civil War and Napoleonics. Which is mm-hmm. pretty much true of every kind of war game ever in the history of war gaming. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Quick question, Rich. Just I'm 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 gonna steal the mic from Jim for just a second for the listeners because because we've got a lot of loyal listeners who may not be all that familiar with uh, the different series that you're describing. Can you give them the one sentence or two sentence difference between Panzer campaigns versus Panzer battles? Um, sure, and and if we could take just a couple minutes, I'll I'll just do a, a high level commentary on each one of our published series. Um, so oh, yeah, <laughs> we we currently have we have twelve different series of games. Um, Panzer campaigns, which we were just re- uh, speaking of, is World War II based. It's it's outside of the name the you know it actually spreads out into the Pacific as well, uh, but it's primarily focused on on uh, Eastern and Western Europe, and then and then North Africa. It has one kilometer hexes and two hour turns. Um, then we have Panzer Battles. That is uh, kind of a, a sweet spot between squad battles and Panzer campaigns. It has 250 meter hexes and 30 minute turns. So platoon size units. Um, then we have squad battles, which uh, has also been mentioned a couple times here this, uh, this today. That is uh, 40 meter hexes and five minute turns. And Squad Battles, really, that's the series that has the most diversity in it. We go from um, Spanish Civil War to the Winter War between Finland and Russia. Got several World War II titles, Um, you know, Vietnam, uh, the First Korean War, uh, you know. Just, just a, a whole plethora: Soviet-Afghan War, modern campaign, so on and so forth. So there's, uh, or modern war, excuse me. So there's a lot of ground that that covers. Um, then we have strategic war, um, which is 10 kilometer hexes and two day turns. Units are usually at the div- division or brigade level. Modern campaigns is closely related to Panzer campaigns. Uh, the game scale is one mile hexes and two hour turns. Um, so that's all hypothetical for the most part, except uh, Middle East. The, the game is Middle East 67, but it has some 48 and 73 cent content as well. Um, First World War campaigns is also a close cousin of Panzer campaigns. One kilometer hexes, two hour turns. Um, and Ed Williams is heading that up and, and moving through, uh, you know, Moving through 1914 at this point, so got three titles in that. Um, on the modern side, that 
almost brings us to a close, but we have two real-time engines, naval campaigns and modern air power. Um, so they're pausable. You click the button, you start the game, everything starts rolling. You can accelerate the time up to 10 times the, the actual speed, or you can pause it. So if you want to issue commands like midway, you want to do aircraft, uh, you know, flight operations, you want to, you know, bring your, your aircraft out of the hangar, you want to sign strike packages and whatnot, you can do that with the game paused and then hit resume and let things roll again. Um, so that's kind of up to the break point of, you know, the 20th century. Uh, and then we go back into, um, we have Civil War Battles. So that's a very popular series, as we mentioned, 125-yard hexes, 20-minute turns. Uh, units are usually regimental level. Um, then we have Napoleonic Battles, and that's 100-meter hexes. And there's kind of a split in that series between 10 and 15-minute turns. And then you have units or battalions. And uh, we also have Musket and Pike, which is also based, it's a close cousin to Napoleonics. We're using the 100-meter hexes as well. Um, and uh, units on that, depending on the conflict, can be battalion or lower. And then finally, we have the Early American War series, which is company scale, um, and that's 125-foot hexes and five-minute turns. So anyways, there's a high-level view of that. All right, cool. That'll help catch the audience up some there uh, on on what some of these different games are as we're asking. So, so folks, if you need to like pause and rewind and refer back to the series we're talking about here, there, there you go. There, there's the succinct version of it. Um, or you could just go hit the and if I can website and and, uh, and have the exactly. website open as a companion while you're listening to us. Yeah. So oh, there's so a tab that- up there that says game series. And it'll give yep. you all of that information too. So as that is so, and, and as those are the ones that that you have, um, and, and yet I guess I would say because Brant's absolutely right, World War II, AC, you know, ACW, and our, and of course Napoleonic's the greatest of all periods is you know are, are the things that make war gamers go and you know and the first game was Bulge, the second game was Waterloo, and it's just gone on from there. The the question I ask though is you have taken a dive into some really arcane periods of military history, um, whether it be you know, the early American war stuff or the one I particularly wanted to ask about because it's relevant to to today. How do you decide to go into a period like Musket and Pike, Uh, which, which let's face it, despite its significance, despite the level of interest, those of us like me have in it, it's not exactly a, what we would say, a coffee table type marquee game. Is that something you decide corporately or is that something that someone comes to you from your development team and says, hey, I think we should do this? Right. Um, Let me make one clarifying statement. Um, So the series title is Musket and Pike. um, But basically that should give you the idea that it can cover with that engine anything from pikes, pikes and muskets. Or just muskets, okay? So, okay. Um, so it's it's kind of a broad brush that that it's covering a rather large time scale. Um, I think we're in the mid 1500s up to the late 1700s with the currently published titles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, how do we do this? Well, yeah, a lot of it's interest driven. So, and this has been the case since John left. You know, started publishing with HPS. Uh, Um, You know, there's a certain, you know, everybody wants a Gettysburg game, everybody wants a Bulge game, everybody wants a Waterloo game, right? Um, But once you start veering from that, it it really, you know, we have guys that work with us that are what we call scenario designers. So they're the subject experts for a specific game, and they'll come to us, they have a passion about it. Um, For example, the Renaissance, Rich White, who is also the scenario designer for 30 Years War, um, you know, he he really loved that period and he wanted to do a game on it. Um, So, you know, we just take a a gander at it and it's like, can we have enough content here to generate a game, right? Uh, A a self-standing game. And, um, you know, do, do we think that it will float? You know, do we think we'll at least sell enough copies to make a little bit of money on it. Um, That kind of sets us apart from your typical company is we don't necessarily make decisions based on, well, that's a moneymaker. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to do that. And everything else just kind of falls to the wayside. No, I mean, we're war gamers ourselves. So, you know, we want to work with these niche 
products. We want we want to bring these to the table because most cases they're not going to make it any other way. Um, so so yeah. So we we don't have your typical corporate discussion to say, well, here's a topic and and can it make it? So we have a have a base threshold, and if we we say if, if we can make at least this number of sales, let's roll with it. And and then if we see you know as we've got a series, well. You know, everything that you see published for Musket and Pike has crossed that threshold. So you'll see more in this series um, because at, at least as of this discussion, it's being well received. Um, that answer your question? It, it does. It does. And that, I guess sort of wanders me down the road to ask what was your, what's been your biggest disappointment my biggest disappointment what what game um, did you put out there that you thought would do better than it did maybe give it some love yeah i i guess just looking back because again i mean david and i took over from john tiller software we made wds but i personally have been involved with john since 1998 um so i i've got a little you know 25 years involved with this um, really, it's it's kind of shocking how poorly the squad battles games have been received. I, uh, I would have expected them to be, you know, just top tier. What's that? I knew it. I, I just, I, 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 if I actually had I written it down, I would have written that down. Okay, sorry. Yeah, for whatever reason, and I mean, they are some very enjoyable games. Um, you know, again, like we were talking, two D gamer, but you know, I, I'm a, a nuts and bolts guy. I like I like detail and whatnot. Uh, and you can really have some enjoyable enjoyable scenario playthroughs in that engine. Um, but you know, on a series by series basis, that's probably the poorest performing that we have. Um, but yet, there's a variety of topics to choose from. Um, and it's, you know, and, and we've made it, you know, we've made some significant improvements with just the 401 updates, uh, that came out earlier this year. So I, I want to say, and as someone who, yeah, I've got sitting, where did it go? There it is. I've got my advance of the Reich sitting right up there. We have actually played, we've had a live stream of advance of the Reich on my channel. Please go take a look at it. This is an uncompensated, unsolicited opinion. The squad battle camp, the squad battle system to me, to Jim, to Cyrano, notice all my qualifiers, renders squad bat, squad leader utterly obsolete. I don't know why you'd play it. I had this absolutely, this moment of uh, epiphany when I was playing that game for one of the thousand times I've played it. And I realized, holy cow, it's managing all those arcane die rolls squad leader and its successors make me make. And it manages them so quickly. Right. Jim, so I realize engagement is generally a good thing for content creators, but you're going to have the entire ASL community coming after us with torches and pitchforks. I uh, Bring it. I, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you warn me before you're gonna like start tossing asshole grenades out like this? <laughs> sorry, sorry. The answer to your question, Brant, is no. Um, that's that's we, we you and I have known each other a long time, and that is not gonna start now. Well, um, that's, that's true. That's true. I should have known to expect that. Yeah, I, I and then and then I could not, I could not it, uh, interview you and not ask this question, which to me is the most important. I know. Well, you've been with you were with Doctor Tiller a long time. I know that you've been with the company a long time. What is it about uh, Talonsoft, Tillersoft, HPS, now WDS, WDS? You seem to have figured out thirty years ago to make easy to access multiplayer work what did you figure out that the rest of this industry seems is seeming is unable to i tell i cannot count how many times i have written to a company and said how could you release this game without multiplayer when talentsoft when tiller when wds had this 30 years ago and please tell the world that can, can we talk about what you're going to be doing with multiplayer because it makes me fuzzy inside <laughs> So, so I'm assuming that you mean your online real-time connectivity is correct. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Because you've always yeah, that's fair. You've always had PBEM. You've always had play by email. That's always been there. And by right. the way, it works great. It's how I when I was a play tester for y'all. That's how the various folks I played with. That's how we did it. But I mean the really cool. And again, go to my channel. You'll see us doing it. Real-time multiplayer. It's it's so much fun. So anyway, yes, that's what I meant. It really is because um, so I ran three conventions, the three Tillercons, um, and that's how we did it. I, I brought 
a whole truckload of computers. We set them up and we just had a, you know, I forget what it was, 30 or 40 PC network. And we just had, you know, one-on-ones or two or three on two and three. And, you know, we, we game that way, the, the whole uh, three-day convention. Um, and I agree that that is the most enjoyable way to play. Um, it's, it's just the time constraints, um, you know, trying to get people's schedules together and, and just carving out, you know, several hours at a pop to sit there and play. For me, that's that's a challenge. Um, but so, yeah, um, you know, the module, it's based off direct, direct play. Um, now, of course, Microsoft has, uh, you know, tombstone that. So we're, we're, we're gradually making changes to make it for a more modern technology base. Um, but you're able to assign, you got a, uh, a commander, for a side and then and you can take it and say all right well you know here's this guy's you're you're commanding two core and this guy's got two core and and i'll take the remaining core uh and be an overall command and then everybody can move at the same time and in control of just their own forces um so it, it really you know we were doing it again at TillerCon, and you know you got batteries just unleashing you know just cannon fire and and small arms and whatnot and it, it's it's just chaotic and it, it it really just brings out the uh the flavor of a battle uh it's it's great anyways um so and and we have plans to enhance that and we're also aiming to bring some of those elements into play by email as well um so that because currently if you want to play a multiplayer play by email game uh you have to manually you know everybody keeps track of their own troops they have to move it then they have to email the turn to the next guy so on and so forth uh so we're we're looking at at bringing some of those enhancements over as well oh that's a tidbit kids yes it was that's very that makes me happy inside now now Um, just trying to figure out how you can get the smoke to appear in the messages when the play by email (laughs) notification comes in (laughs) oh no i i would the the ability to assign commands in pbem Ooh, that's 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 super nice Along that line, is it true that we will be seeing updates to and perhaps even expansions for the Strategic War series? Um, yes, of course. I'll, I, you always got to have the caveat out there, you know, if things, you know, Lord willing and the creeks don't rise, as the saying goes, um, mm-hmm. you know, we are actively working on that. Um, if all goes well... In less than six months, you should see updates for the existing two games. Um, mm-hmm. That will be nice updates, um, not just you know, not just tiny little tweaks. Uh, and then we have more content and development for the series as well. For those who don't know, and correct me if I say anything amiss, Strategic War: ten kilometers per hex, two-day turns. Units are at division and brigade, and the intention was to be able to play the entirety of World War II. Think that Empire kids, or think Europa kids, is what I should say. Well, a, a question yeah, if, on that though. Then, goes, well, go ahead, Rich. Go ahead. What? I was just going to say, if if all goes well, we will have a final title that brings it all together. So, anyways, go ahead, Brand. So what I was going to ask in in terms of playing that entirety of World War II, uh, and 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 Jim's heard variations on this theme before when I've asked other folks. I, one of the things, one of the pet peeves that I have with those big grand strategic games is a lot of them tend to take what actually happened in World War II and just sort of take the existing events, put them in a bag, shake it around a little bit, and then dump them out in varying sequences. But they all start in 39, they all end in 45, and and only the things that actually happen kind of get shuffled around. And you never get something truly wacky like the Russians invading Turkey or, or Spain actually getting involved in the war instead of just recovering from the one they just had or, or whatever other weirdness you get out there. How, in, in terms of a big grand strategic World War II game... How how much before the Germans rolling into Poland do you start? How far past the fall of Berlin or or the A bombs dropping on on Japan do you continue to go? How how much of a spread and how not how ahistorical can you get? Because I'm not trying to ask like, are you going to bring us the the digital version of Mississippi Banzai or something ridiculous like that? But but you know how, how much leeway do you get for the plausible, even if not actually happened in history 
kind of things. Well, so so that's that's kind of a hallmark of our games is so you will start with historical context, you know, accurate OOBs to the best of our ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll start a scenario, whether it's a small scenario, huge scenario, we're going to set it up with the, the information that we have, right? But we're not going to constrain it to the point that you can only do X, Y, and Z. So in the context of what you're asking, um, there's nothing to prevent Russia from invading Turkey. If that's the way the game flows, uh, it just depends on on the length of the scenario. Um, now, you know, the starting point would almost assuredly be Germany's invasion of Poland. Um, I, 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 would, I can't imagine it starting anywhere else. Uh, you got Czechoslovakia before that, but, you know, there were, you know, that's not where really hostilities really kicked up. Um, so, so Poland would probably kick it off. Um, and then you could have a variable ending at the, at the end where it didn't have to end in the middle of, uh, uh, 1945 either. Uh, it could end earlier or it could end later, just depending on how the, the battles played out. Um, I mean, there's, there's just so much we could get into with that. Um, you know, how are replacements handled and is, is you know, how, how is, uh, industry impacted and modeled and so on and so forth. And, and that particular game doesn't exist at this point. So eh, not, not, not too sure that we should spend a bunch of time on that. Um, but, uh, you know, as a whole, you know, for example, Campaign Waterloo, okay? It starts with the French coming into Charleroi. Um, and and it's a map roughly the size of Rhode Island. So you don't have to play that campaign scenario and go to Quatre Bras and Ligne and, and, and do all of that in those sequences. You don't have to. You can make your own choices and play your own battles in that scenario. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say that I've probably played Campaign Waterloo's Grand Campaign a dozen times, and we have never had the final fight at Waterloo. Right. Catch a bra gets ugly every single time, but Waterloo, no. <laughs> That's right. so. It, it just, yeah. And, and, Unstained and, by blood. I again, for me, I, I want I want historical accuracy. I want the the real people that were there fighting it. I want the weaponry to be proper. Um, but I don't necessarily, I, I really don't want to be constrained by what my historical counterpart chose to do. I want to be able to alter that, you know. Now, if, if somebody does want to play our games that way, well, you can play two-player hot seat, and you can control both sides of the forces, and you can meticulously move precisely how things panned out. You can do that. Um, that's just not how I game. So, And since you're the designer, you get to decide. <laughs> So, okay, I wasn't going to ask this micro question, but you just suggested it. It is a micro question. In the Napoleonic series, or if you want to raise it to all of the series, if you can think of it offhand, what's the most controversial optional rule? Most this is a controversial? High... Gee. Yeah, the, this is the one that is the most debated. Gosh, man, you're a war gamer. You run in the same circles as I do. Everything's debated. Um... <laughs> I said most debated. <laughs> yeah so, I, 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 uh, so two things one one i'm betting jim already has his own answer to this so oh, i know what mine is but that's not relevant <laughs> but but the second thing rich to right. follow up your comment one of my all-time favorite moments on board game geek were two guys that got into an argument over the definition of what is a rules layer there you have it <laughs> and I, I say that only Working because that. if you don't know one of the things about war game design studios is it isn't a sandbox and it isn't a loose box of wire and cat hair. There are rules, there are structures. They're actually quite deep when you study them. And by the way, if you want to be good at them, you should. But they, the designers have consistently acknowledged that there are different views about different things in different campaigns. And as a result, there's always, I mean, what, at least a minimum of a dozen optional rules that you can play with to try to make it suit what your vision of the history is. I was a playtester in the Peninsular War. I lost a grim fight about movement disorder. I, I still don't like it, I, and, and I'm glad it's an optional rule, but uh, it upon reflection, it struck me that it's one of the real strengths of the series is that it each game isn't one thing, it's many, built partially by the playtesters, but ultimately built by those who play the game and you give them the tools to do that. Right. Yeah, so that particular rule has undergone significant refinement since the... Um, since the playtesting for Peninsula took place. Um, mm-hmm. So you might want to try it again. Um, I, I, I choose to use that quite regularly myself. So I, I like it. Um, 
there, there's a, a divide probably within the Napoleonic community of those who like to play in phases and those who like to play in turns. Um, the, that's, what I mean that by is, that is... That's a legacy of Battleground. Right. That's got to be, doesn't right. it? So you have your your discrete turns, you know, uh, offensive movement, uh, defensive fire, offensive fire, and then melee. Uh, and then you repeat it for the other side. Or turns where you can do everything all in one turn, and then the other guy takes his turn. My preference is the happy middle ground that we've introduced, um, the discrete melee subphase. So you can move and fire in, a, in that sequence, but you can't conduct melees until its own phase. So you get the best of both worlds because that's the, the problem was people doing Blitzkrieg uh, on the Napoleonic battlefield when they'd blow a hole in a line and then pour troops through it and then blow a hole in the second defensive line. Um, so that's not possible using that rule set. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, automated defensive fire and uh, optional melee resolution. So that those are my preferences. Uh, I do not like manual defensive fire, which oh, okay. puts you into dis- discrete phases because then you have, while I understand you get complete control, but then guys can march across the field, across your line of sight, and then down into a ravine, and then you can't shoot at them the next turn. And they just crossed right in front of you. So, you know, that's not my favorite. And just, I, I, we have offered this, A, because it fascinates me, but B, it would offer us an opportunity to rebuke those or rebut those who claim we didn't go deep enough into the weeds in the WDS games, because boy, oh boy, did we just. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think you have any idea what we're talking about if you played, but they are important and great. And actually, I want to think. I, Jim, let's face I, it. If we just dug into the weeds of WDS games, this this would be like a 14-hour series instead of like, you know, an hour and change podcast. At, at no point have I, have I gotten into the, oh, God, I want to do that. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to resist myself. The 11th season of the Armchair Dragoons podcast mentioned in Dispatches is graciously supported by all of our Patreon supporters who pledged at the top level. A huge thank you to Chet Bell, Hellcat6, Patrick Geraghty, Fred Stogg and his walking companion, Mike Quigley, Joseph Knorr, Trep Corey, Stagger Wing, Mark Talk and Kevin Bertram for their support of the Armchair Dragoons, which helps us bring you the best strategy gaming content on the web. You too can sign up as a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash armchair dragoons. Brant, you certainly know him, Mike Orwick, uh, our guy OJ, shout out OJ. Uh, just so, so you know, Rich, you have an, a gigantic fan of all your your world war one releases in mike orwick oj's dad we call him on our on our calls and he specifically wanted to know when do i get the rest of the first world war right um well ed williams is heading that up um you know he does a fantastic job of research uh and whatnot i mean he's in the zone and you know we provide him support as he needs it um but basically we don't mess with him we let him work his at his own pace um so i don't know i'm not really sure when you're going to get it it we might see one in 2024 uh we might see another title after that i know there are multiple titles in development as of this conversation um so it's by no means you know we've committed to ed to publish whatever he produces so you know as long as we're in business and as long as he's producing games we will keep publishing them and i this again my second unsolicited uncompensated opinion there is no board game none zero that is better than east prussia 14 france 14 and serbia 14 for the topic you just can't beat it there is none and i have i have put out an open challenge on that subject many times and no one has ever answered it so so you don't even this sounds like more confrontational than i intended so you're not even certain which title would be next whenever that is yeah i don't want to answer that because Ah. ed you know He's got a couple in 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 uh, production, and he might say, "Well, I feel this one's ready to go, and I don't mm-hmm. want to have obligated him to something else." Sure, just hoping to yeah, get. Yeah, way to go, Jim, shoehorning in on their production decision making. <laughs> as if, but um, <laughs> as if, but no, it's. Uh, I just want to get to the sum before I die. That's it. Um, so, <laughs> Spoken like a member of the BEF. That's- <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that that's so I guess along that line, as we look to the new year, as we look to 2024, what are the things you can tell us are coming? Well, 
you should see um and, and you don't have to do them in order right i mean we're not going to hold you to whatever right. order you answer these in <laughs> yeah so so that and that's the thing about you know our development our us as a development house i mean we've got some games that took longer than a decade to bring to publication so you know everything until we start saying hey here's a preview on it and we're posting that on our website take it all with a grain of salt because it, it, it can i'm take very a much in touch with um, the long production lead time of a, of a war game <laughs> yeah i mean if you're going to get the, the the research right it takes a long time um and then again you know our scenario designers you know they're not full-time employees you know these guys work um you know they work day jobs so you know they're fitting this in in their free time um you are due to see one completely new series uh make its debt uh in 2024 and, and if it goes well that could spawn a dozen or more titles um so that's completely new topic that we've never published anything on um Ooh. as john tiller or war game design studios so um then we have there might be one uh, another series that makes its it makes uh, a debut in in uh, 2024 as well. Also, new topics, um, similar series to something that's already been in existence, uh, but totally new uh, new topics. So, um, yeah, I just want to be vague. Actually, uh, if you if you check out Tally Ho Corner, uh, we mentioned one of them. You know, got a screenshot of a Zulu war um, up there. So I, I will quantify that. Um, but that's that's not the you know that's the similar engine to what we've already published, um, similar scale. The other one that's completely new. I, I want to leave a little bit of room on that one. So, um, and then we also have multiple musket and pike titles in development. We've got mus- multiple Panzer campaigns. We've got multiple Panzer battles in development. Um, so on and so forth. I mean, we, we have a pretty full pipeline uh, coming in. Oh yes, I forgot to check out Tim Stone's pit. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, yeah, that yeah. was that was published at the end of October. Um, okay. So we All did right. an interview with him as well. Rich, every now and then Jim does this on the podcast. He gets distracted by something and he kind of sounds like Gollum talking to himself. As <laughs> he's, he's running through the conversation in his head and only verbalizing like half of it. it it's hell to edit, right? right? I mean, when Jim's starting to have these these sort of quasi inner monologues. But you know you you're only privy to half of it because he doesn't verbalize it all. You you get this a bunch on podcasts. So. <laughs> that's that's that's. I'm not I, wrong, right? No, I you know I would I was about to say it's unkind but true. Um, that's that that is it. Well, and okay, well I will have to read that because I did hear about the Zulus and I want to find out more about Zulus. So we'll do that over at Tim Stone's Tally Ho Corner. Full credit where credit is due. Um, and, and and it's linked yep. to the episode here so folks can go see it yeah go, go, uh, go well, check out that you know, it'll um, be a couple of weeks in the rearview mirror by the time you're reading this yep. <laughs> I, I would not be serving my friend and brent certainly brent's much longer a friend and acquaintance dr james starrett if i didn't ask the question that everyone always asks about games in the tiller family does the ai work yet <laughs> I think that you would be pleasantly surprised by your experience uh, running 30 years war. Um, some, some changes have been made. Uh, it's an ongoing process. Um, you know, that's, that's not an area John really spent much time on, um, to just be frank. Uh, but it is something that we've been addressing. Um, you know, pathfinding is significantly better already in, in all the pre, pre-20th century games. That code's already in place. Um, but a lot of the decision processes, um, you know, we had some play testers said that the getting started scenario was too hard in 30 years war that the AI was, was taking it to them. Um, so your mileage may vary. Um, but you know, we inherited the, the support thought process, um, from John that, you know, when we provide an update, we update the whole series of games, um, and Napoleonics and Musket and Pike are, are very similar. They're close cousins in the code code base realm. Uh, so all of those features are getting ported to the older games as well. So you can go grab an update and see how it runs. Uh, I will say that about on December 1st, as of this discussion, we're due to roll out a, a 
sequential update for Napoleonics and Civil War battles um, that's got some AI fixes. We found a couple bugs that need addressed right away, uh, but then it's also got some more enhancements. Um, you, you know, so really, my opinion doesn't matter at all. You know, load up the game, see what you think. You know, the feedback I'm getting is the AI is getting better. You know, but I, I will always say, will you ever get, you know, an AI that's situa- situationally aware and be able to conduct a, a massive campaign against you and take it to you like a true Napoleonic commander? Eh, I, I, I'm not sure that we'll be able to do that. I mean, we're not a billion dollar company, so, you know, our resources are limited. So that's my disclaimer. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you have been challenged by the man responsible for the company. Take it to it and see what you can do. But by the same token, while that sounds like a criticism, it isn't because I do want to flip the script. I, I, I'll i pick one just off the top of my head. What year, if you know, was Jena Auerstadt released campaign? What was that? Um, 2006? 2006. So we're talking 17 years. Folks, folks, this company, and I, and I preach this constantly, this company is releasing patches for a game that many people haven't paid a nickel into in 17 years. I bought it at launch. I have my jewel case. I think I had to send you a picture of my jewel case, didn't I, once? When I wanted my... <laughs> to, to get it transferred to the to G- get it transferred. JTS serial numbers? Yeah, you probably Yeah, had. I had to transfer. I think I may have photographed all Video Game Geek says it was released in October of 06. 06. Oh, wow. So on the anniversary of the battle. Very nicely done. Um, so, you know, this company continues to support these games at a level that I believe is unmatched anywhere in the industry, or if it is, it's just matched. It's matched. It's not, a, it is, it is not exceeded. And I am very, very grateful for that. I, I only had one other question on my gigantic, well, I have a lot of questions, but I have, I, Brant, said, okay, so Brant on. told me one hour. He told me one hour and I want to be respectful. Is there going to be a holiday can sale? I, can I elaborate on what you were just saying? Oh, please. Before you yeah, go I, on to your last question. Heaven, yes, please. So that also explains why we sell a game that was 17 years old at full price for a new person that's buying it. That's why we don't discount because they're not tombstone. We are actively supporting those games. And as the series is updated, they will continue to get free updates as long as we're in business. So as we make uh, new enhancements, bam, they get rolled back. So, you know, we don't bargain bin our titles because we don't abandon them. Okay. No. And that's that, you know, well, I'm the wrong guy. Right. Because let's face let's face it in my world. Where am I going to get that Jena Auerstadt game? <laughs> you know, it's, it's right. either your way or the highway. And so the fact that they're not a thousand dollars a piece is sufficient for me, you know, but your point is absolutely taken. <laughs> but but on the okay, subject, your last question on the subject of uh, cost of games, is there going to be an exciting WDS end of year sale? Question mark. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, we have a, uh, our winter sale kicks off December 15th and it will run through, I believe it's January 3rd. Um, yeah, we'll run through January 3rd. So December 15th to January 3rd, all titles that have been out longer than a year will be discounted 25%. Um, and then the bulk purchase option, which is if you spend $199, you get an automatic 20% discount off that. Um, so that is in effect for for it as well. So you you could potentially get 40% off on a title if, if you buy it in bulk, if you're buying, you know, six or seven games at once. That is, as, as many people say about some of the bigger sales from the war game companies, it, it, it is a great sale. It's very, very generous. I'm going to be direct. I don't care. I'm not getting paid for this. It, it is a very generous thing. On the other hand, there is no more useless sale for me on this planet because every time I click through, yeah, I got that. Yeah, I got that. That's, and it is the, the penalty I must pay for utterly refusing to wait for games that I super duper want. So that's uh, some December 15th, people. December 15th. Credit cards at the ready. And, and Jim, let's, you're not the only person who runs into that because uh, how often have we seen that with like the GMT fall sale, you know, sure. or, or a bunch of the steam sales or when people get their matrix anniversary coupons, they go, well, crap, I got everything I want. <laughs> it's, you know, so yeah, I, I have given away my share of matrix loyalty coupons for sure. Yeah. I think many of us have. Ah! Rich, 
obviously like a, a good chunk of your time, you know, that's available for gaming is taken up by dealing with WDS and, and whether testing or marketing or developing or planning or whatever with the games. When you just sit down to play something for fun, when you just want to, you know, just get some enjoyment out of it and not have to think about work, what is it that you're playing? Uh, one of the Napoleonic titles, you know, I, I'm, I'm definitely a Napoleonic gamer and it would generally speaking be like a, a huge map meeting engagement where, you know, not, not a historical battle that's already set up for me, but that we move the forces to meetings. So we're actually, you got to scout and look for your opponent and whatnot. Uh, so that's, that's the kind of gaming I enjoy the most. You know, if you're looking for a huge Napoleonic map, I happen to have a good friend who specializes in such, such huge maps for their Napoleonic battles, um, often twice as large as they need to be in some cases. So, um. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I haven't left, right. I'm still here. Just check that uh I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, a joke is never going to get old. <laughs> it's no, it's, it's still funny. I think about it it's still fun. I did it, you know. So just... Yes. So, um, Rich, one There's of those no such thing too games. big of a map. Yeah. yeah he, yes. He, yes. Actually, yeah. Uh huh. There is when you're playing miniatures and you build the map twice okay. as large as it's supposed to be, and you play a four-hour game and wonder why nobody's in contact. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's why and, I play by email. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then one of your, all your best friends, all your best friends in the world reminds you that it looks a whole lot like that scene in Monty Python's Holy Grail where Lancelot is charging at the gate and never quite gets there. Right. Yeah. That's, yeah. So it's, so, so and, that, that happens. And will always remind you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause always they're your friends. You. That's what they do. Yeah. It, pretty much any opportunity we get to, uh, to bring that back up. We are absolutely going to take it. So. But cool. Um, Rich, we promised to keep this close to an hour just because we wanted to, you know, respect everybody's time on a holiday weekend and and absolutely appreciate you being here and spending this time with us and, and fitting us into the schedule. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, and and I did want to offer, you know, one last shot. If, if there's anything else we didn't get to that you wanted to make sure got mentioned uh, on the part of WDS, and whether it's, you know, pimping an upcoming game or a big fix you had to a recent one or a game that, you know, just was recently released but isn't quite getting enough love. And, and attention um you know whatever last pitch you want to make for the audience we'll give you a second here to do that before we close up shop for the day i appreciate that um well, well probably what i would encourage your listeners to do is is go to our website wargameds.com um and there's a news tab up, up at the top and that'll take you to our blog post um and that'll highlight you know like you're talking about, is there a specific game that's come out? Well, 30 Years More was just released, and there's a blog post on it that that goes over, you know, what the game contains. We're running a Napoleonic series of articles now. We just posted the fourth installment today. Um, so these, you know, really in-depth articles looking at at the game engine and and how to work with it and whatnot, uh, so on and so forth. So there's there's I think we got 130 or 140 blog posts up there. So you want some some reading material on your lunch hour and you want to explore a, a company that's uh, dedicated to bringing quality war games out that's uh that would be a site uh, worthy of your attention and and for the audience like we regularly hit that news tab at wargame ds every week as we're compiling tuesday newsday so we are looking for the cool new thing to make sure that we incorporate it each Tuesday. If they drop something new within the previous week, we've got it linked in there somewhere. But if you're wanting to like delve back through a whole bunch of different stuff and, and get into the nitty gritty under the hood, some of the bug fixes and changes and upgrades and enhancements that they've made, um, you, you will find a wealth of information there because they do not, first of all, like it's digital, right? You're not on a page count, <laughs> but but they've taken right. great liberties with the fact that they are not on a page count. There is no lack of information there um, for, for you to go go slurp up from the fire hose there. Um, it, it's a great resource, definitely. Yes, we, t we tend to have lots of content. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, Jim, I probably should have said something to you before I threw it to Rich, but um, did we hit – I know we didn't hit everything. Did we hit enough? <laughs> oh, I, I – I, this has been delightful. I – a lot of – you know – of course, I've got a million other questions, but so what? Sent a bunch of them. Hopefully, we'll be uh, running very soon a written interview with Rich White, the uh, developer for 30 Years War. That, that'll be very exciting. A more detailed dive into the 30 Years War. And uh, just a little bit later today, I'm going to hopefully be doing a live play of 30 Years War using real live human multiplayer. Take that! 
<laughs> I guess that's uh so that's not Saturday night fights though, because you're doing that today on, on a yes, Friday. we'll be doing it on a Friday. Doing it on okay. an extra game on a Friday because it's Black Friday, nobody wants to go out anyway. And a bunch of the guys got together and said they wanted a 30 years war. So either it'll be either White Mountain or Breitenfeld. Check it out over at uh, my channel. Well, that'll be very cool. And and so like just look down below this this episode and you will see the link to that live stream so you can go back and watch what they said they were about to go do. It's kind of like a digital time machine. There you go. You could travel to the past that way. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, Rich, thank you very much. Jim, thank you very much. And audience, thank you for sticking with us. We got one more episode to go in uh, in season 11 of Mentioned and Dispatches here. Um, again, just a humble plea that if you get a chance, please go throw us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we seem to have more ratings on iTunes than anywhere else, but we, we got to get the total count of ratings up high enough that we start showing up in recommendation engines. Uh, so you'd think after like five or six years of doing this, that, that we would start getting recommended to things, but uh, we got to have the, that, that, that engagement factor get up a little bit before uh, the, the automated engines start kicking in and recommending us to stuff. The other thing I just found out today, Jim, you will get a kick out of this. Something I just found out today. You can actually leave, comments it's it's built into spotify that you can leave individual comments on individual episodes in there and we get a notification that hey somebody left a comment on an episode i i had no idea until i got the email saying we had a comment on an episode on spotify so i had to, I had to remember my password to go log in to go look it up <laughs> so that that was fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so if you get a chance, um, again, you know, look, if you think we're only worth two stars, fine, throw us a two star rating. But but we'd like to think we're worth a little more than that. Uh, but if you get a chance, please please cruise on over there and uh, and leave us a rating. Tell your friends about it. Tell your friends' friends about it. Tell your friends to tell their friends' friends about it. And uh, and come join us uh, for you know any of the episodes here in our archives. Uh, we've got one more episode. Take a break for the holidays. We'll come back uh, after the ACDC in the spring. When uh, in in January, it's in the winter but after after the new year through the spring we will have season 13 or season 12 and and we'll figure out what we're going to do for season 12 probably in the middle of season 12 um (laughs) but in the meantime uh thanks guys for being here thank you listeners for being here and we'll catch you next time on another episode of mentioning dispatches